We're recording this on Thursday, December the 31st. It is New Year's Eve. Many of you will be listening to this in the new year. It'll be 2021. So a big Happy New Year to everyone. Hey, Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in each and every week to That's What G Said podcast. I know all of our time is very precious. There's a lot of great stuff out there in the entertainment world, shows to watch, podcasts to listen to, really good stuff. Every minute that you spend with me here, with us here on That's What G Said, I really, really appreciate it. And this was a big year for me, 2020 in particular, uh, a, a year that was... Uh, very, very brutal for, for many, many people. A year that was different for me. This was uh, my first full year as a father. My my son Milo was born at the end of 2019 in November. So this, this whole 2020 was the first time going through everything with him. Starting the, the walking and now the talking and all that stuff. This was actually the first full year of That's What G Said podcast. I had started That's What G Said right in the early to middle part of 2019. And so we had 2020 all the way through the ups, the downs, the bad, the good, the positive, the negative. Thank you all for being here. And I hope you have a great, great 2021 and 2021 is going to be even bigger for that's what G said podcast. We're going to be having multiple shows of the week again, right off the bat, starting in 2021 next week, we're going to be covering a lot of things like Sam Houston with their uh, opening January the 8th. I love Sam Houston as a, a horse racing fan because they have low takeout in all of the wagers. That means the more the, you're getting more money back. So if most racetracks that we're playing, things are in the 20s for takeout. At Sam Houston, it's like 12%. Like everything is super low, one of the lowest in North America. You get more money back when you win. So we're going to be focusing a lot on those races. It's going to be NFL playoffs. So we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next month with the NFL playoffs and that extra playoff team in each spot. We will have weekly NBA who's hot who's not segments with our buddy Eric Chad Cooper is going to be joining us all the time for the week in wrestling where we recap everything happening on uh, WWE AEW NXT we'll continue on with those old wrestling rewatches with Andrew Champagne with Darren Zokai Cobra Kai is coming out we're going to recap that series it'll be out right soon in the next couple hours on Netflix I think it comes out right off the bat on January the 1st uh just just a ton to look forward to and we hope that you'll be along for the ride with us here we're going to always give you the uh, the best quality the best quantity and i respect your time so if if it's a, a topic or a subject that i personally don't don't know very well and haven't researched very well i'm always going to bring in some guests to help out and hey even if it is something i know i'm always going to do my best to to give you the best information possible thanks again enough with the the mushy sappy stuff for uh, on my end um couple other things I wanted to hit on. So in, in baseball right now, the Padres are going all in. They made a couple huge trades. They brought in Blake Snell. They brought in you Darvish. Big moves for the Padres, trading a ton of their prospects. They're going all in. They, they want to try to compete with the Dodgers. They want to win a World Series right now. So if you're a Padre fan, you have to be excited with what you've seen from them. They are extremely impressive on paper. They have a great, great lineup. They're young. They should be a very good team for the next few years. They've got these pitchers locked up. It, they didn't go out and get Reynolds for a year either. They've got pitchers locked up for the next few years. Keep in mind, Clevenger is not going to be playing this year because of the Tommy John surgery, but he'll be back next year. So Snell and Darvish you know, top the rotation now for the pods with a really strong, strong pitching staff. Big news for the Padres. 
Uh, if you follow me along on social media, it's me, Gino B, on Twitter. I'm going to be doing a lot uh, of videos now. I'm, I'm just getting a little bit – I got a new iPad, honestly, and I'm getting just a, a little more familiar with uh, – it's just a little bit easier for me to record them and and little things on on DRF, little quick tidbit videos on horses that I like, best bets, um, stuff for stable duel, for lineups. So sometimes when it's a little easier to put something out that's just a minute or two, I'll get it on social media or make sure to follow on the YouTube channel if you're on YouTube because I'll post some of those videos on there too. Some things that might be uh, just real quick stuff that I wouldn't even have to break down and do full segments on, on the show, I'll post them there. Make sure to give me follow on social media it's me gino b give us a subscription uh, over on youtube if you can before we get into the nfl segment with eric etoff 21 sports joins us we're going to be talking nfl we're talking nba the basketball nba basketball friday saturday horse racing golf stream and santa anita some stable duel and then we're going to recap shameless very very sad news uh, the wrestling world lost a great one. John Huber, who many people know as Luke Harper or as Brody Lee from WWE and from All Elite Wrestling or on the Independents, 41 years old, passed away. Um, some lung issues that he had had for a while. This was someone who was so loved and respected. Everybody has an unbelievable story. And the, the outpouring... Somebody passes away and you hear a lot of positives, but this is like overwhelming how many different people all over just love this guy. Everybody knew he was a star. They wanted the best for him. He was kind. He was smart. And All Elite Wrestling did a tribute show um, on TNT on Wednesday evening. If you have not seen it and if you're a wrestling fan, go back and check it out. It was really, really powerful and emotional what they did. Um, they involved uh, John's son and uh, his family. Uh, a lot of the wrestlers who were part of his team, his group, the Dark Order, there wasn't a whole lot of good guy, bad guy stuff throughout the show. There were little bits of it, but it was more of a a moment for everybody to uh, relish in it together uh, and um, celebrate John. And uh, it was it was a cathartic experience. It was really really sad, but it was something that was powerful, and uh, they. They gave John a tribute in the way they knew how. So shout out to Luke Harper, Brody Lee. Um, we will miss you very, very much. Going to get into is it's never easy to make a transition from uh, from all the sad, sad stuff, especially something like like that, the loss of Brody Lee into others. But we will move along to our NFL segment. We're going to talk with ETOF21 Sports, discussing NFL Week 17, all the possibilities. Before we get into that, one let you know about OldSmokeClothing.com. That's the website. If you are a, a horse racing fan or if you know someone who is, this is a really cool site. It's all sorts of horse racing swag, t-shirts, hats, all memorabilia. If you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order. OldSmokeClothing.com, promo code G-I-N-O. A little heads up on the discussion with Eric. We in, we recorded early Thursday morning. 
So we talked a little bit before the news about Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we do discuss Fitzpatrick when we're talking about the Dolphins game, but keep in mind now Fitzpatrick won't be playing this weekend. He wasn't supposed to start, but he was at least going to be there. So that was part of our discussion when we talked about the Dolphins to uh, Fitzpatrick. He will not be playing this weekend. So just a, a little heads up on that one. We get to NFL with Eric. Kick back and enjoy as we go game by game, point spreads. Uh, over-unders, everything that we know about who's playing, um, who and why, what teams should be trying to win. We'll give you everything in uh, an over-hour conversation here. Enjoy. NFL Week 17. Can you believe it? We are here, and I'm recording this on the morning, uh, New Year's Eve morning. With our good friend Eric, ETOF21 Sports We got a big weekend coming up uh, And Eric, this is a, a different year than we've ever had Obviously the, the COVID stuff is, is number one But number two, in the NFL, we're going to have an extra playoff team So that means this last week, instead of the six teams that would make it in each conference We're going to have seven There is a lot more Like These games mean a lot more right now than a normal week 17 Because there's only that one bye it, the number one seed Everybody's sort of battling for for seeding So I, a lot of times we'll, we'll get, you know, a bunch of meaningless games This week we got teams that are playing for their lives We have a lot of teams that are battling to stay in it And it's going to be that Which creates value as us as betters So, I mean, there's great betting opportunities this week Yeah, we got to sort of predict And, um, you know, which teams are maybe kind of Checking it off and saying, okay, Cancun time, we're done for the year And then maybe some other teams who don't have a playoff spot to play for But maybe they're just playing for pride and uh, Or uh, perhaps a, a future of a coach they like Let's get right into the 16-game slate coming up this weekend As we go through the games, we'll, we'll sort of mention some of the possibilities for teams And what they would need to get into the playoffs too So we kick off with the Vikings at the Lions Your Lions here, Vikings minus 6.5 over under in this game is 54 Vikings 6 and 9 straight up 6 and 9 against the spread Lions 5 and 10 straight up 6 and 9 against the spread uh, We do know that Dalvin Cook will not be playing Unfortunately Dalvin Cook recently lost his father So very sad news for Dalvin And with the Vikings now out of the playoffs He's not going to play He's going to head home and be with his family at this time Very sad news there And as far as uh, personnel The Lions um, st- still not sure about Stafford, but it, you know, the Lions, Eric, they really did get sort of screwed last week. It was, we don't know if it's going to be Chase Daniels or not. Um, but last week they had to deal with playing with basically none of their coaching staff. I mean, they had to, they had no, their interim coach wasn't there. I think three of their main major defensive coaches weren't there. So you're trying to stop the Bucks and Tom Brady with absolutely zero defensive personnel, a banged up Stafford. Uh, they really had no shot. It's hard to use last week's game as a game to gauge them, but just kind of shows some of the inconsistency with how uh, some teams have had to deal with it this year, and other teams have kind of like the Titans. They got their game pushed back. The Ravens they got their game pushed back. Didn't happen though to the the Broncos. Didn't happen to the Lions. Didn't happen to the Browns. I mean, just another example: the NFL giving it to the Lions week after week. Man, as a Lions fan, I'm so used to that. But, um, in terms of betting, for me. You can't really trust either one of these teams. They're both out of it. Lions have nothing to gain if Steph, for Stafford playing. Have it be if they trade him in the offseason or he's going to be the man going into next year. So I just 
can't with so many uncertainties around this game. Lions kicked off curse from the team because he snuck out of the hotel and broke COVID protocols. They fired their special team coach after the Tennessee game because he went with that fake punt without clearing it with Bevel. There's, and then the Vikings after that defensive effort against the Saints and no cook. I mean, there's just way too many question marks to even be have any money tied onto this game. And just to give you an idea too, like Brady actually played well last week against this team. Um, I'm going to be citing a lot of pro football focus stuff here. He had the fourth best pro football focus graded game of any player, any quarterback the last 10 years. He had six big time throws, only one turnover worthy play. And he had a, he was 12 for 15 on passes of 10 plus yards down the field, which has been Brady's Achilles heel this week. That was all in one half. So the poor lions really had no shot with the way things have been trending for them. And then they caught a hot Brady uh, at the same time. So uh, Vikes, I agree with you though. I just, I, I can't really back this game either side with too much confidence one way or the other. Uh, just as overall lions thought moving forward, is there anyone that you've got circled as like a, a coach you'd like next year? I mean, I would love for them to go offense. I mean, I know the defensive coordinator from the 49ers. That's who everybody wants it here. But but we have we need an offensive coach. I would love to see him go Brady, the offensive coordinator. Yeah, sure, from, right. From the Panthers. I yeah. think he's – I think he could be the next Sean Payton. But I really think they're going to go with uh, Roberts. Rob, I'm spacing on his last name, the guy from the 49ers. Uh, oh, Sala. Yeah, Sala. I think that's yeah. who they're going to go with. But I'd rather have an offensive coach. Yeah, he's on the short list. Sala, uh, Brady, and Bienemy are the ones that we hear. You know, like they're the buzzy coaches that are getting all the. Uh, uh, Brady feels like he'd be perf- a really nice fit there too. Uh, let's move on. Bills, Dolphins. I think this game is like Bills minus one and a half versus the Dolphins in here. Over under forty four and a half. Bills twelve and three straight up, ten and five against the spread. Dolphins ten and five straight up. 11 and 4 against the spread. So now we get into the games that really start to matter as far as playoff seeding are concerned. So here's what the deal is in the AFC, Eric. We've got five teams that are at 10 and 5 that are battling for four spots. The Titans or Colts are going to win the AFC South. One of them will win the AFC South. One of them will be in. Of the other teams, the Dolphins are actually in the best shape. They're currently the number 5 seed because they've got the tiebreakers over Baltimore, over Cleveland, over Indy. So Right now, if Miami is it wins, they're in. If Miami loses and any of Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indy loses, they're still in. So they're in pretty good shape here. They just have to not they they just have to hope they don't lose and all the other teams behind them win. Otherwise, they're going to be in here. The 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 concerns that we've had with Miami though are ones that you know you have had from the very beginning, Eric. We talked about this when they drafted Tua. I don't think either one of us were all that high on Tua. And we look at you know a game like last week, for example, that was the second time that Tua has started and has been taken out of the game for Fitzpatrick. Now they they've had nine of those games. They're seven and two, but just to to kind of compare. When Fitzpatrick is played, the Dolphins have the sixth most efficient passing offense. When Tua plays, the Dolphins have the 22nd most efficient pass efficient passing offense. Now they can still win games, but they're just passing the eye test. They seem so much better with Fitz. Last week, he came in. He only threw 13 passes, three series. One of them was 84 yards for a field goal. One of them was 75 yards for a touchdown. And then the last one was uh, the 49-yard touchdown where he was getting, 
I mean, was that play by Fitzpatrick one of the more impressive football plays you've seen? Because I was just wowed as he's getting his head ripped off and still is somehow able to complete a pass that sets him up for the game-winning field goal. I mean, that was that just shows how strong he actually is with his arm. When people think arm strength, Ryan Fitzpatrick is never toward the top of the list, but the fact he was able to throw that with his head torquing the other way is insane to me. But also on the other side, what the hell were the Raiders doing? Why are you in cover two in that situation with the DB pumping, like biting on the play fake? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And we see uh, the the coaching, unfortunately, uh, on the Raiders. I mean, this was a bizarre last, like, five minutes of a game that went back and forth and back and forth. Um I just like we watched this Dolphins team, and I can't, I can't play that at this number because this number has moved a lot. Uh, so if you like, if you wanted to play the Dolphins, you could have gotten a lot better value earlier in the week. And I don't like the the Bills are trying to secure the two seed. Sure, I I just don't know if they were gonna are, are going to go all out. For example, you know Cole Beasley's hurt; he's week to week right now. John Brown just came off IR, but he's also but he's on the COVID list. So you probably don't expect to see either one of them How much are we going to see Josh Allen in this game If it's just a matter of like the two to the three seed Neither team is going to get a bye, anything like that So I I don't know, I guess I just don't have like I, I think Miami obviously needs to win this game um, But you know, if you're if you're the Colts This is probably your best chance to get in Because if you're the Colts and you're looking around You're on the outside looking in right now You need one of these teams to lose The Ravens, who are a 12-point favorite at Cincinnati The Browns, who are a 10-point favorite against the Steelers Or the Titans, who are a 7.5-point favorite at the Texans So the Dolphins, as an actual underdog in this game Are the only... It feels like your best shot for them to lose And you to get in if you're the Colts Oh, for sure and with what you were saying, with the way the line is moving, it suggests that the Bills, it's been leaked to somebody who placed the wager that they're going to be resting their starters. When that happens, it's safe to say that the under is the way to go if you miss the value on the side. Just because, like, as we've talked about, you can't really trust two in the offenses that look so and he's starting with him playing. Yeah. And so or I as mean, I said, he's starting. And so can you imagine if this is a game where we're getting like Tua against a Bills defense that has been a lot better than the, in the last four or five weeks against Matt Barkley? Yeah. You and know, and, just, and, and, and a good Miami defense. Matt yes. Barkley won't be able to really have move the ball there much. So you're right. That would be just like no points at all if it's those two. And the total has moved half a point, opened up at 44 and a half. It's down to 44. When the side opened up at Buffalo laying three, now Buffalo is laying one, one and a half. So the value is definitely on the over-under if you're going to play it. Let's get to uh, one of those other important games. So we've got some of those AFC important games all in a row here with uh, the Ravens at Cincinnati. This one looks like it's around 12 or so, 13 even in some spots. Baltimore minus 12 to 13 at Cincinnati, over-under 44 and a half in this one. The Ravens are ten and five straight up, nine and six against the spread. The Bengals are four ten and one straight up, nine and six against the spread. The Ravens have been uh, beating up on the softer part of their schedule, and they're in a a, a really nice spot uh, at the moment. Just to just to give a little shout out to Brandon Allen for for last week. So they played against the the terrible Texans defense, but Brandon Allen, the Bengals QB, he had coming into that game in his six previous starts. He had been graded at 44.5 That was his passing grade Out of 100 On Sunday he got a 91.4 grade He made 5 big time throws 0 turnover worthy plays He was the highest graded quarterback 
of the week on throws over 10 yards And he had the second most 20 plus yard passes He had five of those And it was actually the fourth highest successful passing rate In a game for the Bengals in the last decade So he was phenomenal last week Just a shout there In which was actually a fun game I played the over in that game So I'd love to see the, the, the points being scored Back and forth, back and forth I mean, I don't know if the Bengals are going to even really care to beat Baltimore, but they've been feisty in their last few weeks. They've played a little bit better. They, you know, spoiling things, ruining things for a, a rival would be great. It's just, you know, comparing what these two teams are playing for and what Baltimore is playing for here. It's just, it's so hard to, to, to back Cincy to win the game. I don't know, maybe 13 on the road. I just, these these a lot of these games are ones like you said where if you have a strong opinion, great play it. But I don't know. I, I this this is a game that I'll be kind of steering away from. And and if if I would play anything, it would probably be the Bengals side plus the thirteen at home. I mean, I hate laying double digit numbers, but the more and more I look into this game, Lamar is twelve and one as a starter in December. Bengals are twenty fifth versus the run according to DVOA, and the Ravens are the best running team, averaging one hundred seventy seven point eight yards per game. Ravens are getting Campbell, Peters, Jimmy Smith, all back. For me, and I'll, I'll give it a future play, I actually love the Ravens at 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl right now. This team is getting everyone back healthy, running the ball, offenses looked better. I think who this is the one team you want to avoid in the playoffs, and they have a kicker you can trust. I really like the Ravens to make a run in the playoffs. I actually played them at 14-1 to before you and I started talking this morning. Because... Let, let's be honest, okay They they haven't matched up all that great with Kansas City The two times they played them But has Kansas City scared the hell out of you at all With what we've seen from them lately? No And, I mean, Buffalo is probably one of the more well-built teams right now But they don't, they don't scare you The Steelers don't scare you I mean, so, if you're Baltimore I think right now, the way you're playing And, and are you beating up on bad opponents? Sure, but is, does that sometimes help you to get going in all the ways you needed to get going offensively, get the confidence, start flowing. Dobbins is running the ball better. Uh, Lamar looks a lot better. Just uh, Marquise Brown looks much better. Andrews has looked a little bit better. So yeah, this this offense is humming. That's a good point, Eric. Too. Uh, and to look- also, you have to look at um, one possession games because that's basically a coin flip. Ravens right now, if the one if every one possession game went their way, they'd be twelve and three. They'd be running away with that division. They've had a lot of bad luck. And also against the Chiefs game, they blitzed and left their guys on the islands all game. I really think Harbaugh on the defensive staff is going to learn from that and not give Mahomes so many blitzes. And I like they're, they're going to be trouble to get out. They're going to be a tough out. We moved to uh, the Browns against the Steelers. Oh, the poor Brownies last week. They were one of the teams that they were missing. All of their wide receivers They were also missing a couple offensive linemen Keep an eye on the Browns too Because they've had a lot of COVID issues So their facilities have been opened and closed uh, uh, A couple different times throughout the week As of recording this on Wednesday They haven't really been able to uh, Recording this on Thursday Wednesday they hadn't really been able to practice They were just sort of able to do Kind of walk through stuff But no real stuff Because of all the contract uh, The contact tracing of COVID They will not have safety Andrews and Deho But they should be getting Jarvis Landry back So keep an eye on that and keep monitoring that <laughs> This was funny Eric This is the first time the Browns Who are a 10 point favorite Playing the Steelers over under in this game 42 and a half Browns are 10 and 5 6 and 9 against the spread Steelers 12 and 3 9 and 6 against the spread 
the first time the Browns are favored by 10 plus points over a team with a winning record since 1968. <laughs> the wow. Browns the Browns have not been favored by more than a field goal against Pittsburgh since 1989. So 30 years wow. they haven't been favored by more than a field goal against one of their rivals, but we know that uh, Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing. Pittsburgh has locked up the division now and there will be starting Mason Rudolph and I'd imagine, you know, Watt and some of the other veterans on Pittsburgh, we may not see them a whole ton. This line it absolutely is telling you that Pittsburgh's not going to be playing anyone. And fingers crossed that Cleveland is getting some of their their key players back. I already mentioned Jarvis Landry as one. Um, and I was listening to Stefanski talk and stuff after the game and reading some of the stuff, the things. I think if they would have had another day or two uh, to to get things right. He he sounded like, you know, I would have probably had Kareem Hunt playing receiver more and move things around. It felt like it just hit them so quickly, like the day before. They didn't even really have a ton of time to get a game plan out there. Um, I think they're gonna be a lot better this week. This is a, this is the biggest game that Cleveland's played in 20 years, right? I mean, they all they have to do is win. Can you imagine just telling the Browns before the season you're coming up to the final game of the year? The Steelers have already clinched. They're not going to be starting Ben Roethlisberger. You have to win one game to get yourself into the playoffs. That's what you have to do here, Browns. Baker Mayfield, it's put up or shut up time. I've backed you and sort of, and you know, I think both of us have backed them a lot this year in individual games. And I've stuck up for Baker a lot out there. This is your time, Browns. Like your moment is right now. Go beat your rival that doesn't even want to win and get the hell into the playoffs. To me, this is the most interesting game of the day because you a you have the Mason Rudolph Miles Garrett dynamic. What's going to happen? Is anything going to happen yeah. when Garrett gets to Rudolph for the first time? To me, that's a huge factor that people really haven't been talking about. Another thing you touched on: who's going to come back and who's not coming back for the Browns? I saw an ESPN blurb this morning: the facility was shut down again today, Tuesday morning, because a player tested positive for COVID. Number three. If Mayfield doesn't win this game, you have to figure they're moving on from him because neither Skafanski and the GM, Mayfield wasn't their guy, and he's been put in the position to get them in the playoffs and losing two in a row, one of them to the Jets, one of them to the Steelers who are arresting people. If Mayfield loses, this is the end of his time in Cleveland. And lastly, Skafanski, I know he had players out last week, I really felt he was outcoached by Adam Gaze. I mean, in what world is Nick Chubb only getting 11 carries? It was the first and time Mayfield, I felt this year yeah. that that I didn't like what he said. That I, I I was I felt that way too. And I give him a little mulligan for what he said afterwards, but I this was the first time where I watched a game and went, "Man, I don't know what they're doing." And like you said, that the running they weren't succeeding running the ball, but they st- just stopped running it early. Why weren't they getting a little more creative with how they were trying to get Chubb or hunt the ball? I mean, it just they were just down and and they just started throwing. I mean, I think Austin Hooper had 15 targets and he only caught seven. Um, it just I, yeah, I agree with you. I was the most disappointed I've been with Stefanski and with Baker all year last week. And isn't it amazing, Eric, how quickly in the NFL when you only have 16 games things can can turn because even just last week heading into that Jets game Baker had come off of the week where he looked good on Monday Night Football even though they lost to the Ravens they came back where it was sort of a trap game against the Giants and they beat the Giants and sort of quieted anyone who would have said okay this Browns team is t- is not good but they come back last week whether or not it's his fault Stefanski's fault the COVID stuff you got to win that game 
he he's got a chance again. All he has to do is come back, bounce back, win, and you'll still you, you'll buy yourself another year or some more time. It, it is funny though because it feels like the difference between them making the playoffs is like a huge deal, and it's something that they they can't get rid of Baker or Stefanski for. But if they don't, because of like losing to the Jets and losing to the Steelers, then you may have to think about it, it, like cutting ties with Baker or maybe bringing another veteran in to to like beef up a competition. I don't know. You're right. It, it is. It feels like this one game could definitely change a lot of things for the Browns in the next few years. Oh, and it's it's interesting just because like you think about it a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Steelers not winning the North. We we're talking about the Browns winning the North, and I mean, it just comes down to this is going to be the most turmoil that's been in the Browns locker room. When you and I did the preview show on your podcast, we said it came down as Kefancy going to be able to control the room, and this is going to be the week we get to see if he can do it. Let's move on to the Patriots versus the Jets. Uh, Patriots minus three and a half against the Jets. Over under in this game is 40. Patriots six and nine straight up, six and nine against the spread. Jets two and 13 straight up, six and nine against the spread. So the Jets, they're going to be uh, picking second now after the, the first 13 losses of the year. They've come back and won two in a row, and they will not be getting Trevor Lawrence, it looks like. So I, this is another one of those games where it's just hard to, you know, to, to, to get a feel for. I mean, the Jets are playing better than the Patriots are playing right now. You, you look back to a few weeks ago, the Jets should have beat the the Raiders also in that in that game. I just don't know if I have a whole lot of interest in this one. If, but if you're the Patriots, don't you have to play Stidham here and just sort of get a look, a look, a look at him? You got to look at Cam all throughout the year. Who cares if you win this game and you go to seven and nine? It w- wouldn't you be better off seeing? Okay, could Stidham at least be like a, our legitimate backup or be someone who who we could get behind? Because they were going to get behind Stidham to start the year, and then Cam they signed Cam Lay, and they ended up. You know, incorporating him I just I haven't been impressed with anything to do with Cam this year And I, I can't imagine they come The Patriots are thinking about Starting next year with him as Like their main quarterback They have to look around elsewhere right Oh with how often With how poorly the offense has looked Since Cam came back from COVID It's really hard to trust them moving forward And this offense I mean look at their wide receiver court I mean, what Jacoby My- Myers, so Damian Bird, Izzo the tight end. I just they're they Newton's being scapegoated, but it's not like he really has any weapons to be. No, he doesn't. You're to. right. Yeah, and I just I mean I get your point. I really think they do need to see what they have in in Stidham, see if he is anything at all. But I just kind of feel like you can't trust anyone in this team. This is one of those games you just have to stay away because you don't know what you're gonna get. And do you really want to trust Adam Gase with your money? Because I don't. Yeah. I know this is yeah. I think both of these teams are just like, hey, let's just finish up the damn season here and move uh, and move on. But that's not going to be the case with the Cowboys and the Giants. Says the Cowboys are a three point favorite on the road at the Giants. Over under in this game is forty five. Cowboys six and nine straight up, five and ten against the spread. Giants five and ten straight up, eight and seven against the spread. Three weeks ago, with four games left in the season. The Cowboys had a 2.6% chance to make the playoffs. They needed all these crazy things to go well for them. And you know what? They sort of have. Um, Unfortunately, it was was a really sad sort of uh, tragic event that may have, may have, like, we... 
kind of galvanized this this Cowboys team. They lost uh, an assistant coach, Marcus Paul, who passed away on November the 25th. They had a bad game or two after, but since then they've sort of been playing um, with with uh, you know the, the a tribute to him in mind. And what has to happen now for the Cowboys, Eric? They if they win and Washington loses, they're in. So really, if Washington wins. They're in. They will win the NFC East. If Washington loses, whoever wins this game between the Giants and the Cowboys will be in. Meaning, yeah, we could have, you know, we're a six-win team if if the Giants were to win and the other two lose, make it into the playoffs, hosting a home playoff game here. So, a Dallas team that, I mean, we got to give it up to Andy Dalton last week too. All three wide receivers and Zeke had big games Dalton was 22 for 30 He had 377 yards, three touchdowns And a pick Zeke had 19 carries for 105 yards Four receptions, 34 yards That's the best Zeke has looked in months Uh, Gallup had 121 yards Cooper had 120 yards CeeDee Lamb had uh, 65 yards and a touchdown So they looked really, really good Daniel Jones was a full participant On Wednesday at practice for the Giants So it looks like he is going to play Another game where a few weeks ago, the Giants were playing so well. Everybody just like the money moved big on them as far as winning the division. They looked like they were going to be a lock to win the division, but they've struggled. They've had some quarterback issues. Uh, I think some some coaching questions here and there. Uh, crazy that both of these teams are still alive uh, in the last week of the season, Eric. I mean, if we would have talked a couple weeks ago, we never would have thought this would have been a key game ever week. Cowboys, they've won it three in a row, but I mean, it's been against the Bengals, 49ers, and the Eagles. And none of, because of those defenses are so depleted, those games really didn't impress me. In a game like this, a critical game, I'm going to look to the home team and the team that has the better defense. I already locked in the Giants plus three a couple days ago. Right now, the Lions at Giants plus one. Joe, Joe Judge does worry me a little bit. I really feel that game, the Sunday night game against Cleveland, the fake, why are you running the fake? If you're going to go for it, that's fine. If you want to chase points in the first quarter, that's fine. But I want my quarterback throwing the ball. I don't want a punter throwing the ball from the five-yard line. So hopefully Judge has learned from that. And if you're going to go for it, actually have your personnel out there. But I want the team with the better defense. I want the team playing at home. So I, me and my guys already locked in the Giants plus three. Yep, I would, I would play the Giants here. Uh, I agree with you. It's when you dig into those Cowboys games, as you mentioned, like one at a time, you can really find some things in the box score where you're like, oh, that doesn't, wow, they got a little lucky there. Oh, wow, they got a little lucky there. And that seemed like it's happened a few games in a row. So, yeah, situation like this, home team and the points, I'd absolutely be on the Giants side there, plus the three. As we move to Tampa, minus six and a half against the Falcons. Tampa, 10 and five straight up, eight and seven against the spread. The Falcons are 4-11 straight up, 7-8 and eight against the spread. Tampa did secure a playoff spot last week, but they have said that they are going to play their starters and try to get to 11 wins, and uh, so that's just something to, to keep an eye on. Now, last week, the Falcons, they should have won that game. They should have beat the Chiefs. A.J. Terrell dropped a game-winning interception, and then Koo missed a 39-yard field goal, which would have tied the game with 14 seconds left. The Falcons defense has been playing a lot better since they fired Quinn, but um, I mean, I, I look at this spot, they're on the road, I I don't really have too strong of a feel in here. W- what's interesting though, Eric, there's like three or four teams 
who had pretty easy schedules to end their year. Uh, the Ravens were one of them. Uh, Tampa's one of them. Seattle's going to be another one. And so these teams were able to really get right at you know and moving in. We're going to have to ask ourselves when we come playoff time. Are these teams good right now Or do they just look better because they were beating up On bad teams This might be one of those teams next week I just don't really have a strong feel on the, on this one um, on In week 17 You gotta pass it Because like you just don't know Like If somebody goes down Mike, Mike Evans, Godwin, Jones, Brady If someone goes down with a little sore, sore shoulder Then they pull whatever, everyone Yeah, they're just gonna pull everyone out Or also the reverse of that it happened in the Oklahoma State Miami game. King, the quarterback from Miami, in the first quarter, fell down towards ACL. The wide receiver from Oklahoma State just didn't play the second half. You know, yeah. so if there could be a, an injury on the other team. So there's so many variables. Falcons have been playing better. Young guys have looked better on defense, but you know, you just can't you can't bet this game with any confidence at all because there's just too many variables. We move along to Saints at Panthers. Saints minus six and a half at the Panthers. Over under in this game is 48. Saints 11 and four straight up, eight and seven against the spread. Panthers are five and 10 straight up, nine and six against the spread. Unfortunately, Christian McCaffrey will be out uh, in this one too. So he only was able to make it to three games this year. Super disappointing for him. Uh, Major positive for the Saints last week. They looked good. Now they were playing against a Vikings team and a Vikings defense that uh, Coach Zimmer said after the game is just they're just terrible. Like he said, they were just bad. Which you never you never like hearing from your head coach because the Saints O line they had the second highest average time uh, to pass a Breeze did of all year last week. They were the only offensive line last week to be in the top five ranked in pass blocking and in run blocking. They only allowed three pressures. And that helped Kamara, who had six touchdowns, 22 carries for 155 yards. He knocked me out of the, just destroyed my hopes in the the finals in two different fantasy leagues that I was playing against him. Um, So, you know, they're offensively, they didn't look great two weeks ago in Breeze's first game back. They did look a lot better last week against a not good defense, but they're a team, like another one that, you know, they're trying to get right heading into the playoffs are they going to continue to get right here against the Panthers? How I look at this game, I think this game is going to play out one way and then it's going to tie into the Seattle game, which I'll talk about later. I think the Saints are just going to steamroll out to a big lead, take everyone out, and just sit on the ball. I think they'll get up a quick 24-3, 28-3, then just take the air out of the ball. So my strategy here is I'm going to look at the score at halftime and judging how the game is going, if I can get a read that they're going to be taking the starters out and just taking the air out of the ball, I'll look to the second half under. But pre-flop, you can't bet anything. I really don't think this Panthers team is going to get up to play for their coaching staff. And also Mike Davis is out, so they're going to have their third string running back against the Saints defense, which is pretty good. Yeah, I can't. Like, I like – I saw some glimpses from Carolina. Like, I th- I'm not ready to say that it's like a bad coaching staff or that – I think they need a little help there, but – um, the end of the year where you're banged up This just feels like another one where it's like Hey let's get us the hell out of here And, and yeah. let's go home yeah. you know? I agree I, I like their coaching staff too I just think like they're just like eh, you know, Yeah it just Time to it, pack it, up shop Exactly let's go home we'll, we'll work on next year We've got some some things to look forward to uh, Number ninth game we're on the second half of the slate Packers at the Bears Packers minus five and a half at the Bears Over under 51 and a half Now this game is very important uh, As the Packers are 12 and three straight up Nine and six against the spread The Bears are eight and seven straight up They're eight and seven against the spread Because the Bears are one of 
three teams in the NFC battling for two spots between the Rams, the Bears, and the Cardinals. Right now, the Bears are in. They are the number seven seed. And if they win, they're in. Plain and simple. If they beat the Packers, they are in. If the Cardinals lose to the Rams, they're also in. If they lose and the Cardinals win, they're out. Because they're behind the Rams So they're going to be on the outside looking in They just need to win They win, they're in Now what's really deceiving about this team, uh, Eric uh, Recently David Montgomery has been playing awesome He had another really good week last week He had 95 yards with a touchdown And a lot of people are going to point to Mitch Trubinsky And say, you know They've been winning games because of Mitch Now, I think Mitch is a lot better than Foles And what Foles had been giving them Completely agree with that But if you look at the Bears offense Who have scored 40 points in, uh, Who have scored 30 points in four straight games It's the first time they've done that in 50 years Trubisky, in those four games The offense has been the sixth most efficient passing offense They've had the second highest successful play rate But Pro Football Focus has graded Mitch In those four weeks The 27th quarterback in passing grade And the reason they looked so good They played coverage units That were ranked 23, 30, 31, and 32 They played the three worst ranked coverage units And then one of the ten bottom ones In four consecutive weeks In expected points allowed per pass Against the Jags he was Trubisky was actually the fourth from the bottom Ranked quarterback uh, With negatively graded throws He had three turnover worthy plays The last four weeks he's only 31 of 39 graded quarterbacks Against really bad defenses That are bad in yards per play That are awful in passer uh, rating allowed Now what's great about stats is You can Completely look the other way, right? If you want to say good, Mitch, you can look at the 74% completion percentage, you know, the five to one touchdown to interception, a- around eight yards per play or so, 112 QB rating. But when you dig into them a little more, they're better with Mitch. But I don't know if they want to sign Mitch to a long term deal, which is some of the rumors coming out of Chicago. A massive game this weekend for both of these teams. The, the Packers need to win to secure the number one seed, to secure the bye. It would be I mean, think about if you're the Packers trying to have the Saints and, you know, teams like the Bucks have to come to Lambeau and play with the snow versus having to go on the road and play one of those teams. You want them to come play you. This is a huge game for two of the all time, you know, great all time original NFL franchises that are both, you know, needing to win for themselves. This game is I have this game circled. I love this game this week. Now. I call Trubisky the truth. I know no one else does, but I love that guy. And he has been put in a position to succeed ever since Bill Lazor has taken over the play calling duties from Matt Nagy. One of the main things I look at, especially when I do the fantasy football stuff, is you got to look at the play caller. And granted, I know the matchups haven't been that good, but if you look at the amount of carries Montgomery has been getting that wasn't happening even when they had good matchups when Nagy was there. So laser is understanding the matchups and he's understanding where to attack it. If you look at the Packers, Packers are fourth, fifth worst DOVA against the run this year. They look better on Sunday yep. night football because they're doing five defensive linemen. Are they going to do that again on, on Sunday? I don't think they will. I think it was just a one-time thing to stop Derrick Henry because they don't, put David Montgomery in the same realm of players as Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go back to their base 4-3. And I really I really like the Bears in the spot. Bears, I don't like the, the Packers. The offense has I'd been looking that. good. 
I feel the Packers are going to be overvalued after the beatdown they put on Sunday Night Football. Since the game is close, right now the first half over-unders at 24.5. If that gets juiced up to 25, I'm definitely going to take the first half under. I actually like the Bears plus three first half. I like the Bears plus five for the game. And I actually like the Bears just straight up to win just because I just – the Packers have been trending so well and they've gotten so much stuff to go their way this season. That regression is going to come and Trubisky's playing for money. He didn't – the Bears didn't pick up that fifth-year option. And since they didn't pick up that fifth-year option, they're going to have to pay him probably twice as much just to stay. And he's going to leave for sure now. So – I'm on the Bears. I agree with you. Like, I'm not on the Packers side here, and I I think at the I think this is probably a close game. So, and that's the case. You know, I'm taking the home team with the points at at plus five to plus five and a half. Look for the best Bears line that you can find. When it comes down to who needs to win this game more, it's obviously the Bears. Like, needing to win for the one seed is a lot different than needing to win to get in. You know, and like you said, for someone like Mitch, and maybe you know, who knows? Maybe even uh, for Nagy. Like, if Nagy gets in. And they would, they're in the playoffs, and they make the playoffs two out of three years. This guy can't get fired. You know, like, they can't get rid of him who, when he's had two winning seasons, uh, if that's the case, if they end up 9-7 and seven here and they make the playoffs. So um, all the Trubisky hate for me or all the negative stats that I was pointing out, I'm still on the Bears side here um, just getting the points at home. I, I could see Green Bay winning this game by a field goal even in a back-and-forth late game. Give me Chicago with a little bit of value here. And there's so much. There's This is a typical spot you look for as a better. A home team, second game, interdivision, getting points at home. I love that that situation as well. Let's move to Colts versus the Jags. Now, uh, now the Colts, they're the number eight team right now. They're, they could win 11 games and not make the playoffs because they need help. They need Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, or Cleveland. One of those teams has to lose in order for Indy to jump into the playoffs. And you know what, Eric? I've liked the Colts all year long. And when you look at the Colts and you break down their schedule, I mean, they didn't lose a lot of games in the games they lost they very easily could have won most of them. A big issue for the Colts, their offensive lineman, Anthony Costanzo, out for the rest of the year. That's a big, big loss. So if they do make it into the playoffs, uh, that that's going to hurt them. They were up 24-7 to Pitt last week. They completely blew it. They lost to the Jags in week one. And then they lost a super winnable game to the Ravens that, when you look back at it, it looks like they got beat up, but they really didn't. There were like two game-changing plays. If they don't make it, those are the games they're going to look at and say... You know what? It was our own fault because they can beat any team. They are good enough. They're well coached. They have a very good defense. They've got playmakers, but they hurt themselves. And right now, they need some luck. I think it's going to be Minshew playing this week. They're 10 and 5 straight up. The Colts uh, 8 and 7 against the spread. Jags just 1 and 14 straight up. 6 and 9 against the spread. Total in this one is around 49 and a half here. I mean, I think the Colts are are going to win this game. I don't want to lay 14 on the road and uh, the Colts are going to be looking around uh, at the scoreboards and, and hoping somebody else gets beat. And the, the teams they need to get beat are, like I said, you know, eight point, ten point, and twelve point favorites. Uh, the Dolphins are really the team that they're going to look at and say, "Come on, Buffalo, we need your help." And also, right, announced that he's not going to allow any of the scores in the stadium, so you don't have to worry about the Colts players getting up big, seeing the games that they have no shot. And just completely like tanking and not giving forth the effort. I think the Colts win. I think they win big, but 
I just can't lay that big of a number. This is just a stay away for me too. Yeah. No, can't can't lay fourteen here. Um, right next door to them, it's going to be the Titans against the Texans. The Titans minus seven and a half at the Texans over under fifty six. Texans should have beat the Titans when they played the first time. You and I backed them that game, and now that was still just, better. I'm still, still better me too. About I'm that. still pissed about it. Uh, the Titans are ten and five straight up, seven and eight against the spread. The Texans four and eleven straight up, five and ten against the spread. They're saying Watson's going to play here. He's not even on the injury report. Um, and uh, David Johnson actually looked pretty good last week. He had 12 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown, three receptions for 11 yards uh, for another touchdown. The Titans just got the crap kicked out of them um, on what Sunday night. So everybody saw them get beat up by Green Bay. But the Texans just lost to the Bengals. Their defense is terrible. I imagine points are going to be scored in this game with a super, super high total. Um, I mean, it would be fun. Like, this is uh, like I don't I don't think the Browns are going to lose to the Steelers. I don't think the Ravens are going to lose to Cincinnati. I do think there's a chance here that Watson could go up and down on this awful Titans defense and make this game interesting. I don't know if I want to back it because the Titans obviously need to win. If they win this game, they win the division. They're going to get a home playoff game. They could lose this game and be out if the other four teams around them win. Um, so I. I think maybe it's because I want to see the Titans get beat that I that I'm maybe trying to give the Texans a little bit of a shot in here. What do you think about this game? I like the Texans. I've already locked them yeah. plus seven and a half, and I've also locked them under straight win. After the game against the Bengals, JJ Watt went on TV and he just sandblasted the team. He is obviously the leader of that locker room, and people look up to him. When you get a veteran present like that, and he puts everyone on blast. If he's the leader, I think he is. This is going to be one of the best efforts from the Texans all year long because they're going to be playing for Watt because this could easily be his last game there with that contract and how old he is. On the, secondly, the Titans' defense, they are fifth-worst DOVA against, against the pass. Watson is going to be able to lock up these DBs. So even if they get up like 24-14, 34-24, whatever – there's going to be that chance for the back door because Watson is so good and the DBs are so bad for the Titans. But with how bad the defense is and how Watson is so good, I think I think they straight up win here. I'm plus seven and a half. I'm Texans too. And I agree. I think a few bucks on the money line too. They're just feisty enough to keep going up and down with you. They know this team. They played them already uh, this year. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I like it. And what's nice about Watson, he showed he doesn't even need weapons. Like he he's good enough to make whoever bring me Chad Hansen off the practice squad, and I'm going to make him you know a quality receiver in the NFL. So yeah, uh, and you hear Watson talk, he's just so smart. Like yeah, there's those, those he's a good leader. He's like I want to go play with him. Yeah, yeah I want to like he'll break it down, and I just feel like they're going to want to give those guys a win. They're going to want to give Watson Watson a win. So I expect a good effort. Chargers at the Chiefs. Chargers minus three and a half at the Chiefs over under 44. Chargers are six and nine straight up, eight and seven against the spread. Chiefs 14 and one straight up, seven and eight against the spread. Uh, we know that no Mahomes. It's going to be Chad Henney in here. Travis Kelsey just broke the record for tight end receiving yards. Big shout out to Kelsey. The Chargers will probably not have Keenan Allen. Maybe Bosa, maybe a few other veterans Because what do the Chargers really care about Pushing some of them um, I, I mean Chiefs have everything locked up They're the number one seed here I, 
I still like I still would probably play the Chiefs just because I don't trust Anthony Lynn like laying points on the road yeah. like this. Um, especially if the Chargers are going to be missing some, but I don't think I'm really going to be too interested in playing this game. There's I personally, my buddy Dan sent me a text message because he's a huge Michigan guy. 2020 is so messed up. I can bet on Chad Henney, but I just <laughs> I can't I can't lay any money on this whatsoever just because Anthony Lynn is needs to just disappear you get out of head coaching go back to be an assistant coach i mean you don't even know he's going to be on the field for the chiefs i know you know i mean no kelsey no hill no mahomes watkins yeah you have no idea so there's so many variables but i will say this though this reminds me so much of the situation last year the ravens rested everybody the last week had that bye week then came out flat as hell against the titans i already know in my head I'm going to be fading the Chiefs the first round of the playoffs. And the the Chiefs just haven't looked good for a while. They haven't. That's the problem. And they've been just getting by, and Mahomes is better, and maybe they're playing around with Pete. Sure, but I don't really trust their running game that much. Their defense has some question marks. Can they throw the ball and go up and down on you? Sure, sure. But even Mahomes hasn't been quite Mahomes um, as, as sharp for himself. Now, He's been better than a lot of the other quarterbacks, but he sets himself such a high bar that even when he's a little bit down, we we are able to look and say, okay, he he's not been quite Superman recently. Uh, and I saw this Mahomes stat, which is it blew my mind. Mahomes has had sixteen drop interceptions this year. Sixteen, that's insane. Sixteen drop picks, and the Chiefs are eight and zero in games decided by six points. They played a Falcons team last week. The Falcons are zero and seven. And keep in mind. Again, like going on the, the fact that the Chiefs should have lost last week, that drop touchdown, pa- uh, the drop interception that would have sealed the game, the field goal that would have at least sent the game to overtime. Uh, the Falcons' first three drives of the second half, punt, punt, lost fumble. I mean, you can't go three drives like that against the Chiefs team and expect to beat them. And so there were so many reasons why uh, the Chiefs got lucky in that game last week. And who knows? In a few weeks, we'll see. Are they going to be uh, like a true number one seed team? They don't feel like they're that much better than everybody else. We get to Raiders at the Broncos. Raiders minus two at the Broncos. Over under fifty and a half. Uh, Raiders seven and eight straight up. Eight and seven against the spread. Broncos five and ten straight up. Eight and seven against the spread. Division game here. Some you know. Uh, importance, I guess, in the future of uh, of Locke and you know and and Carr and what what they want to do with these quarterbacks moving forward. But I don't really have too strong of a lean either way in here. I mean, for me, after the way the Raiders lost that game last week, I think all those guys are in Cancun time right now. It's sitting at have two and a half. If it can get to three, I will be invested in the Broncos just because I feel like Locke understands he's playing for something now. He's playing for his future. And if he's motivated and this def- the defense of the Raiders is checked out, which I think they have, I think this is going to be – I think they'll easily win the game. And, like, look at the recent games for the Raiders, too. It's like they got the shit kicked out of them by the Falcons. They got their heart broken by the Chiefs. And then they should have lost to the Jets. And then, and, then, and then this game, you know, the game last week against the Dolphins where it's like you're just scratching your head a little bit. Like, how did they lose? Like, how, how did they lose that game? But um, – yeah, it's going to be another game, another year where, like, just a an eh to like average year for John Gruden, another not good year for Do him. Do you think he's gone? Like, I mean, like, no, legitimately, I with think, how they finished the season, he's got a worse winning percentage I saw than Rio in three I years. Think if if this was another team, another organization, 
I would I would think maybe I think as much as Mark Davis has like loves him and has put into him, uh, I think they're gonna give him another year or two. But I mean, I, he hasn't. I think this has been his ninth year in a row now where he hasn't won a playoff game as a head coach, and that's dating back to before at before when he was coaching the Raiders. So we're not. Like we're not judging him on Super Bowls We're just judging him on getting to the playoffs And even like this year If we're judging him on how the team looked In the middle of the season I would have said okay he's doing a really nice job But the problem is This is like the third year in a row At least the second where the Raiders Were in playoff contention And they just shit the bed you know. And they did it against Like they did it in situations where you You knew Like I remember we played that Falcons game with the, the week after they got their heart broken by the Chiefs It was like the perfect spot to play So if you're Gruden And you can't tell your team and look at your team And get them pumped up to go on the road After you just lost to the Chiefs When you're still a playoff team He couldn't get them pumped up then You bring them back the next week They should have lost to the Jets If it wasn't for that stupid Williams you know, you know, call Where he, he like let, he let Aguilar get free down the sideline And and then you come back again and, and you just don't look good So I'm with you I I wouldn't want him as my head coach For my organization I think they'll probably still give him another year Because they've paid him so much And because Davis just loves him so much I I would move on from him I Me mean, too I mean, what is it, losing six, what, five of six with only And it, it's who Jets. you lose to Yeah Like, I mean, if you're telling me they're losing to the Chiefs and uh, the Bills and like good teams and close hard fought games. I'd be like, okay, sure. But they're losing to teams that they actually should be better than. Like they should be beating teams they're better than. Teams that they like have more talent than. So, um, yeah, not positive uh, end of the year in in, uh, in Vegas. Couple important games to close. We got the Cardinals at the Rams. Basically, a playoff play in game here, and no Jared Goff. So we are going to be getting John Wolford starting for the Rams Uh, Henderson is also out for the Rams Cooper Cup is on the COVID list So keep an eye on him They could be super banged up It does look like the Cardinals are going to get Kyler Murray back Remember Hopkins was a little banged up last week But he did finish But Arizona you know, just some some negative stats on them recently Because I do not like Kingsbury as as a head coach I think he's fine with some of his play calling and design But he's just terrible with decision making And this, some of these numbers Go to show you even worse with like the play calling And design, so last week they scored 12 points on 80 snaps 4.94 yards Per pass attempt They had the lowest expected points added per play Offensively last week of any game They've had this year And in 6 of their last 7 games They've had their 6 lowest so they are not trending well at all Kyler Murray has averaged less than 5 yards per pass attempt In 3 of his last 7 And they go as he goes They gain more expected points In his 52 scrambles Than they have in the 608 drop back passes that, they, that he's had this year On throws of 10 plus yards downfield He's 20th of 27 With, with uh, passes on target So he, when he runs They're really good What's fascinating about this game is you got the Rams who have the really, really good defense. The, and Goff has been sort of the reason they've struggled lately. No Goff. Do you believe in John Wolford, Eric? I just got to pass. I mean, <laughs> I like, I, just, right? I mean, like, the whole thing is, is, like, right now, it's opened up at 42. It's all the way down to 40. First half over under is 20. I mean, 
There's just and the fact this is a winner take all game to get in, you know you that Bay and Kingsbury are gonna be playing stuff tight to the chest. Also, you have no acres, no Henderson. You're gonna be rolling out Malcolm Brown and Cooper Cup is out for the Rams too. I mean, you just I don't like laying points on the on the road. This may be a time where I have to take that three with Arizona, but right now it's a pass. And yeah, to your point on to your point on Goff. End of the first half, he's rolling out to the right. What the hell is that? Why not just run five yards? Why are you trying to throw that touch pass where the receiver and you aren't on the same page? Interception, drive down for the field goal. That I mean, I think you guys need to move on from Goff, but I know you want with all that money you gave to him. I wouldn't mind if it was just Goff out. Like, if it was just Goff and Wolford was in, I would back the Rams. Because, I like, we, Goff hasn't been great the last few weeks, so... In just using that like very like square sort of analysis, like how much worse could Wofford be than how bad Goff has been with a team that already has a really good defense and they don't need a lot, right? To to win games. They just need you to score what 17 to 20 points a lot of the time with Donald, with Ramsey, with what they have defensively, they're gonna keep you in the game. The problem is if it's no cup and you're missing like your two best running backs too, now you're putting this quarterback in such a terrible position, having to start his first game in week 17 with all the pressure in the world and, and you, like some of your key weapons gone. I just, I, it's not a great spot to try to back Wofford. Just keep monitoring this, whatever side you like, the next couple of days, because we're recording this early Thursday and. You know, Goff will be out if for some reason the Rams are able to get, you know, any of these skill position players back, it will help them. But it's just, yeah, it's hard to be really confident with what they're throwing out there this week. And it's like the poor, Ra- the, you know, a few days ago, we didn't know if Kyler Murray was going to play either. So this looked like we were like, holy, shit. like who is going to be starting quarterbacks for like a win, a winner who makes the playoff game. Now Murray's going to play. I mean, I could not imagine him missing this game, even if he was banged up for an opportunity. Well, on the flip side of that, like the the offense with the Cardinals doesn't look as good when he's not running. I know. And, and, and he's, if he's banged up and he's yeah. got a leg injury, he doesn't run any, as much. Yeah, he's not going to want to take a hit. So, I mean, this if I would have got the 42, I would have played the under, but or, or maybe there's an early touchdown. I'll look at the under, but the under would be the only way I'd go in this game. Two games left to discuss. We got the Seahawks minus four and a half at the 49ers over under in this game is 46 and a half Seahawks, 11 and four straight up eight and seven against the spread 49ers, six and nine straight up six and nine against the spread. And probably the last game for the 49ers for uh, defensive coordinator Robert Sala, who we mentioned, uh, is one of the hot um, head coaching candidates out there for teams that need a head coach next year. The Seahawks are still—I I believe they can still, if things go their way, get the one. If if the Packers and the Saints lost, they would be able to, I, I think, have a tiebreaker. So they're playing to try to move up a little bit. And obviously, they've—you know—they want to win the division. They want to get a home playoff game here. Seahawks, 49ers. I. Want to just mention a couple Russ stats, which I I think are, are awesome because Russ is so damn good. I don't know how good the Seahawks team is going to be come playoff time because their defense was worse. It's getting a lot better, we'll say that. But Russ, he's played nine seasons, uh, eight playoffs, four division titles, two NFC titles, one Super Bowl. Should be two for that bad play call. He's actually been sacked more times in nine years. Than any player in NFL history Through their first nine seasons So the most sacks ever But even with all of that 
he's never missed one game. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like, he is way better than I thought he would be. Me too. With how he's come in and just being a a silent leader. Yeah. And he's, and it's his ad-lib ability. He's able just to throw off script when he's on the run, drop a dime. And I just, but I also feel like he was in a perfect situation too. Like if he would have gone to like one of these other teams that didn't have someone like a Carroll, I really feel that they wouldn't, um, he wouldn't have succeeded. And speaking yeah, of Carroll. he had to play his way in. Didn't they sign yeah. Matt Flynn? Yeah, that- but I really feel like Matt Flynn, like, had a couple of good games toward the end of the season, upped his value, got a very lucrative contract. That's exactly what's going to happen with Trubisky. Yeah, you're right. So I just, what Wilson is doing is insane. And he's truly is, like, he should have won the MVP this year, but I read an interesting stat. Instead of them running, they're actually running the ball more. With them running the ball more, all of Wilson's stats are going down just because he's just not given the opportunity. I, In terms of betting, though, my thought on this game is this. I really feel that the Saints are going to kill the Panthers. The Seahawks need both the Saints and the Packers to lose. I see. I feel as soon as Carroll sees like the game is out of hand, he's just going to kind of pull everybody they're going to have that home game 49ers are playing for their defensive coordinator everyone on the defense has come out and said how this guy should be a head coach how he's a great leader of men everything so they're really going to want to give this guy a win on his way out factor in those two factors I love the six even though CJ Beathard Beathard is starting so I'm going to do the six and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the money line because I really think the Seahawks defense is going to have a hard time stopping Jeff Wilson running and Kittle in the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, I think I think CJ Beathard's better right like right now. He he's better than what what Jimmy G has been and San Francisco is going to have to make a decision coming up soon, Eric. Jimmy G has played 25 games since he's been named the starter. He's missed 23 with injury. Yeah. And he yes. makes some bad decisions too, like in the Super Bowl. I hate to go off track, but in the Super no, Bowl, kind of it kind of showed you like what um Shanahan thought of him. They had it was toward the end of the first half and with the play calling of not trying to get into the field goal position, you know, they had time against the Chiefs. I really feel that Shanahan kind of shows his hands what he thinks with of Garoppolo last year in the Super Bowl with the play calling. It's the questions that people have about someone like a Goff or someone like a Baker, right? Yeah. Like the same kind of questions is that when you get there, even if you have a really good team that can get you there, if they have to make a decision or two that's going to win you or lose you the game, can they do that? And we don't know a lot of times till we see players get there. And I don't think it's ready. We're ready to say Jimmy G can never do it. But right now in this situation, it hasn't been great. They're paying him a lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not their quarterback next year and if they're going to bring somebody else in. Because you have Wentz, hopefully not Stafford, by see him leaving. Maybe even Cousins. And um, who am I spacing on? There's one other guy, Matt Ryan. All those yeah. guys could be available next year. Yeah, I mean, major opportunities. Even someone like a, a Jameis, you know, who knows? Oh, like, you know, so Seahawks, 49ers. We'll see what this 49ers team will look like with probably a, a new defensive coordinator next year also. Final game of the week, Washington football team minus one and a half against the Eagles. They're at Philly. Over-under in this game is 43 and a half. Washington, six and nine straight up, nine and six against the spread. Eagles, four, ten and one straight up, five and ten against the spread. And 
Chase Young is an absolute beast He had his highest graded game of his career By Pro Football Focus last week He had five pressures He had a strip sack, forced fumble And recovered it He had a QB hit that caused an interception He's rated this year As an overall edge rusher The only players that he's ranked behind Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett And Demarcus Lawrence, he's fifth As a rookie behind four absolute studs I mean, this guy Is a no doubt about it Game changer, you were talking about him Very early on, Eric As someone who was going to be that Game changer for this team And let's be honest If they make the playoffs, he's the reason why He's the reason why, he's going to be someone who has Won them, like single-handedly won them A couple games where he's been able to get them Defensive scores, they've had Crazy quarterback turmoil, they've started They've started three different quarterbacks And played four different quarterbacks This year, and Coming into the week, they only have two quarterbacks suited up They're they're only going to have two suited up Alex Smith did not practice on Wednesday And it's only him or Taylor Heineke Because they just cut Haskins Who is just, I mean, looked awful Strip club stuff I mean, gee, he's an idiot, you're right Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of rooting for Washington in the sense that like they've been fighting, and I like it's hard not to root for Alex Smith if he's playing, if he's in the game. They don't know if they're going to have Terry McLaurin either, though. He's only had uh, some workouts with some trainers, so they're a little bit banged up. But for Washington, it's very simple: you win, you're in. Plain and simple: you win, you're going to be hosting a home playoff game next week. So Washington, can the football team do it? Unfortunately, no. I love the Eagles here. You're giving me a you're giving me a small road dog. I love that. Um, and also, like you may be getting someone who's never started a game before. Eagles offense, except last week, has been looking better with Hurts in it. I think the Eagles are going to want to stop their division rival from getting in. I love the Eagles in the spot in Washington. I mean, their offense—you just don't know who's going to be back there. And what's cool about this game is. Like no matter what this game matters for Washington, it doesn't matter who wins the game earlier in the day because they they can win and get in. So they just have to win this game. But there's, I mean, if like if Alex Smith plays, what version of him are we getting? Honestly, and and Heineke came in and looked like a little feisty last week because and that just was because Haskins looked so bad. Like anybody that you brought in was going to look better than him. Um, I, I couldn't back. The Washington side here with so many variables If I if I was going to back but, a side it would definitely be The the Eagles side here in, Yeah and the uh, Eagles are going to have film now On um, Heineke yeah. They're going to have a whole game they're going to have film on them That's a Last great week, point like, We see the, the backups film. Yeah. We see backups come in and succeed Mariota did this a few weeks ago They it's it's I don't want to say easier right Because of course you're not getting the reps and stuff But when the other team isn't prepared For you and you come in And they they're just uh oh, you know it, we see backups come in all the time and have a good half, and, or it just look really, really good. And then after a week of practice or so, they don't look as good the next week. That that could be the case here with Heineke and a Philly defense that even like even banged up and even a team that's lost a lot of games, like their defense is still decent to solid. Yeah, and I I think this is a coaching staff that they're going to want to give a win to because they got them that Super Bowl. I think. I think this team is going to put forth the effort and look to stop their division rival from going to the playoffs. NFL Week 17. Man, I can't believe the season is in the freaking books, Eric. You helped us do some previews before the season. You've helped us with, I don't know, 
uh, seven or eight different weeks of the season uh, throughout And uh, spoke with you before uh, starting new year next year uh, Next week, couple weeks We're going to be talking a, a little NBA here and there Checking in each week, doing some some DFS And uh, just saying like, who's hot, who's hot in the NBA But but before that, we still got a, a month or so of the NFL With the, the playoffs coming up So we'll definitely have you back on to talk about uh, some of these playoff matchups And we'll have six Games next week, three Saturday, three Sunday Again, man, uh, love you, brother Happy New Year, happy holidays Thank you so much for all of your time Really appreciate it And the, the folks here on That's What G Said They always love your hard work Give us a couple of the games that you've already locked in Or you're looking to play I love the Giants plus the three Bears plus the five and a half 49ers plus the six Texans plus the seven and a half Eagles, anything you can get And that Ravens future where can we follow you on social media? Let us know a little bit about the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on social media at etof21sports on Twitter and Instagram. Post daily. Give a little day in review the morning of. Post my daily, my review of my picks. And my podcast comes out Monday. Monday is always a reaction Monday where I just give my thoughts on the NFL. Saturday, uh, ramble about a lot of stuff. NBA till AEW, whatever's going on in the sports world. Eric Etoff, 21 Sports, man. Happy New Year to you and the family. We'll talk real soon. Best of luck this weekend. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on again. That was Eric Etoff, 21 Sports. You know how to follow him on social media. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. Plenty more on That's What G Said. Big thank you to Eric for helping out like always He's going to be having uh, I think a weekly segment with us Where we talk NBA Who's hot, who's not That'll that'll pick up and start probably after the NFL playoffs Because we'll definitely be keying in on the NFL playoffs Over the next few weeks um, Yeah uh, y- y- Some of the games I'm keeping an eye on um, Possibly looking at the Giants game Possibly looking at the uh, on the Giants side, possibly looking at the uh, the Texans side, uh, I like that. I think they have an opportunity to win that game straight up. Um, also, giving a look in uh, in the Eagles uh, Washington game to the the Eagles there. So keep an eye on a, a couple of those games, but not as much to play this week for me because there's so many variables. It's just more of a watch, see who gets in. Then we can really handicap and sink our teeth into uh, the the couple weeks uh, of of playoffs that we have. Joining me next week on That's What G Said to talk about some of the, the playoff games is going to be our friend from Sarah Candles, Tyler Herringer. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A, Candles.com, all natural soy wax candles. None of those toxins, carcinogens, pollutants. I'm burning the Christmas morning one right now as we speak, as I'm recording this. They're better for you. Uh, the soy wax actually burns longer. The wicks are, are better... They're healthier than the candles that you get uh, Any of the other leading brands When you use a promo code G-I-N-O It gets you 10% off your purchase SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A Candles.com 25 different scents, 3 different sizes Super affordable You're helping out a small business that I personally know Good good guy who created this candle He just wanted to make a better candle A healthier candle for him And he realized this is something I can share with everyone else C-E-R-A Candles.com Promo code G-I-N-O Okay, we're one week into the NBA I'm just going to spend a few minutes on some of the Some of the things that jumped out to me uh, Or some of the teams that deserve a little mention For their good first week Or maybe for their bad first week The Magic are 4-0 
a lot of the reason because of Terrence Ross averaging 21 points a game. They're getting 18 points a game and almost six assists from Fultz plus a steal there. So you get a little bit more production from the two of them. That helps you win a couple games that you shouldn't. How about the Cavs are three and one? The Cleveland Cavs, who looked like one of the worst teams in the league on paper. I didn't think the Magic were a playoff team either. The Sexton is averaging 25.3 points and uh, Garland is averaging 18.5 7.8 assists 1.8 steals it's the Sexland backcourt Sexton and Garland the Sexland how about Drummond almost 20 points a game 15 plus rebounds three and a half assists and he's got 2.8 steals and 2.8 blocks those are monster numbers for Drummond four games in for the Cavs the Hawks are three and one Trey Young averaging 33 points 8.3 assists he's doing this uh this little move where he goes around in front around a screen and then backs up into the person who was chasing him, which is great. And it's like he's like trapping people into fouling him. And Steve Nash was getting pissed yelling about it. So Trey Young continues to step forward. That Atlanta Hawks roster is good. They're good. Brooklyn looks really good. They're three and two. Uh, but the the problem with Brooklyn, as far as depth, Dinwiddie is out for the year now. That was a big big player for them on nights when. Kyrie or Durant were going to sit out Or maybe a night when they didn't quite have it Someone who could come in and give them a little extra punch That's going to hurt them And you know this team might not be a team That uh, is the one seed Because if Durant, if Kyrie are sitting out Games here and there, they're going to be good though If if those two are healthy in a playoff series They're going to be a tough out KD and Kyrie are both averaging 28 points a game not a great start for the Bucks. They're two and three losses to the Heat, Celtics on a crazy shot. They also lost to the Knicks. There was a weird day the other day where the Clippers got beat by fifty. The Bucks got blown out. Uh, like uh, some of the best teams in the league just got absolutely crushed all on the same day. Uh, the, the day Brooklyn lost also to, to Charlotte. The Raptors and Wizards still winless. Raptors zero and three, and the Wizards zero and four. They uh, so, you know early on, but. You don't want to get too far behind in what feels like a more competitive East. Over on the West, how about those Kings? Sacramento Kings 3-1. and one. Halliburton, the rookie, uh, over 10 points and 5 assists. He's looked really, really good. They got rid of uh, Bogdanovich, but what does that mean? More Fox and more Buddy. So if those two rise to the occasion, this is a fun Sacramento Kings team to watch. Clippers 4-1. and one. The Clippers... Just looking at everyone, the Clippers and the Lakers feel like they've they've looked the best. I think you could probably put the Nets in that discussion with just how good they've looked and passed the eye test. And I think the Clippers should be the number one seed in the West, and they should take it personally. They should look at what happened last year and say, hey, you all laughed at us. We choked it away. That's not going to be the Clippers this year. We're going to go out and prove a point. So a little scare with Kawhi the other night. He got a bad elbow from Serge Ibaka, and his face was just... Thrown all around He was bleeding It was nasty But They come back They lose by 50 But that doesn't matter It's just one game It was just crazy to see Them being down by 50 In a game Um, Paul George has looked really good Over 22 points Almost 6 rebounds And over 5.5 assists He's shooting 47% from 3 On 7.5 attempts per game Massive percentage On huge volume Paul George has looked good For the Clippers, it should be, let's focus, let's not talk, and let's just win a bunch of games and kick the crap out of everybody, and let's get the number one seed, and let's let's get to the playoffs where we should be and try to win. That's how they should approach this season. 
We've seen from the Lakers, it'll be a little more of a feeling out process. They're going to have games where they look awesome. They're going to have games where they're still trying to figure out the rotations and things like, should Schroeder come off the bench, which I've been preaching from day one. And it's not because Schroeder isn't their best point guard, he is. Or it's not because Schroeder isn't probably their third best player, because he is. It's because when they start games, the Lakers, and they have LeBron handling the ball... And you have AD out there. You have Gasol, who's also a very good playmaker. You can get the ball into him in the post, and he can you know, make decisions for you. You can run offense through him. It's sort of a little bit of an overlap having Schroeder there. You bring Schroeder into the game late in the first quarter. You let him go crazy, and he can close the half and close the games with LeBron. That's fine. But what it does is it, it doesn't overlap the skills as much because Le- LeBron's best attribute, you want the ball in LeBron's hand. That's the thing. Schroeder is great. And so after LeBron, I want it in his hand more than anyone else. But when they're both out there and Gasol's out there, who you can throw the ball into, Gasol's not a point guard, but you you drop it to him in the post. He makes decisions. You run it through him. I think that would be better. And they're sort of talking about that a little because it seems like they have, they have a little overlap on offense. It'll help Schroeder unlock, you know, uh, a, a Montrez Harrell more off the bench. Suns are 3-1. and one. Uh, Bridges and Cam Johnson have been playing well, both averaging over 15 points a game early on. And Cam Johnson shooting 40% from 3. Bridges 45% from 3. Denver, eh, just a 1-3 start. I don't like, it's kind of a hangover for them. Don't like that they got rid of Grant. They need MP, uh, MPJ to be awesome and play some defense. Not sure if they're going to get that. Rockets, 0-2. Who knows what's going to happen there with Harden. And uh, the sad news for Memphis that John Morant has a uh, an injury just could have been a lot worse looked like it was bad just a, a sprained ankle at the moment but we'll keep an eye on jaw and we'll see how long he will be out so we'll do uh some weekly nba segments starting probably i'll always be checking in and, and letting you know what's going on but once nfl's done we will uh, have a little more focus we'll talk about the nba from a dfs standpoint sort of preview the weekend games and stuff each week with eric Now we get into Stable Duel, the contest schedule for this weekend as we turn to the new year, Friday. We have Tampa Bay, $10 buy-in at Gulfstream Park. There's a new year game. It's a $21 buy-in, and it has $2,021 in prizes. You get double points, and the winner gets a free entry into Santa Anita's $5,000 game on Saturday. Wow. So you can also on Friday play the New Year game at Santa Anita, $21 buy-in, same prizes, double points, and the winner of that game gets into the Santa Anita game. So same thing at Gulfstream and Santa Anita on Friday. You're trying to get into the the big Santa Anita $5,000 game on Saturday. By winning that, you get into that. You also get the double points. Also get the prizes. Saturday, Tampa, $5 buy-in, Gulfstream, $25 buy-in. It's a top 10 contest, $1,000 up for up for uh, grabs and prizes. Gulfstream has a $100 buy-in, double up. And then Santa Anita, the big one, $50 buy-in, $5,000 in prizes on Sunday. Tampa, $10 buy-in. Gulfstream, $25 buy-in. And at Santa Anita, a $50 buy-in. Make sure to follow along. I can't do... Uh, shows a lot of time where we're three and four days ahead with stable dual lineups um, as much as I can with um, sometimes handicapping some of the tracks that get the the races out early and I can kind of tell you who I'd like to use but as far as really putting the the lineup all the way through knowing some of the scratches and stuff make sure to follow along on social media because I'm going to be doing a lot more stable dual videos coming up 
And this weekend, those Friday and Saturday contests, Gulfstream and Santa Anita, let's talk all about Gulfstream. Let's talk all about Santa Anita for Friday, for Saturday, right now. Get those past performances out for Friday, Gulfstream Park. So a couple big uh, stable duel contests for Friday you can get involved in at Gulfstream and at Santa Anita. Let's start over at Gulfstream for Friday. A couple horses that I'm looking to uh, to play, and we'll be throwing in my stable duel lineups, but nothing uh, that I love in the first couple. Let's get to the third race there, and I'm looking at the number two, Eagerly. I think about five to two or so, I'd be were, uh, willing to make a, a win wager on Eagerly, but but probably more looking at this one as an early exotic single. So it's a maiden special weight race. They're going a mile on the turf course here. Eagerly's most recent start was on December the second. Was right here at Gulfstream Park, and he tried to tuck in. He, he broke pretty well, eh, but he got hooked three wide into the turn. He was three wide, but he was just within a length. He was able to get to the lead and open up a half length. But I think the wide trip caught up with him. He really kept trying all the way, but it was his first start since January. So we're talking about a horse who hadn't raced from January to December. Almost the entire year came back, had a wide trip, and he just got a little bit tired late. Second off the bench with about a month to to get that fitness level back, not a quick turnaround. I think Eagerly is going to be in a really, really great spot in here. It looks like King Snake is quick to the inside. There might be one or two others to the outside that are a little quicker than Eagerly, but I think he tucks in nicely and, and saves some ground down towards the inside. The number two, Eagerly, early exotic single for me at Gulfstream Park. Anything around five to two will make a win wager there on Eagerly. Let's jump to race number six on Friday. Past performances, turn them to that sixth race, optional 75s, first level allowance, five furlongs on the turf. The, the five's a little interesting to me. Viva Lorena, who debuted, won the debut in a race that was taken off of the grass in a, in a good effort. Came back and tried the grass and was actually on the grass for the first time in a Florida Bread Stakes race. Was in a tight spot on the inside early, got shuffled back, was about four lengths off in the third flight. Moved in between horses and... And just kind of got caught in a blind switch Where started the move but then a horse to the outside move Got shuffled again um, So now you're You're getting a horse who has been Working on the grass continually Is going to cut back Should be sitting off I think this one gets the, a really nice trip in here There's speed to the inside Danessa Baby, California Lily Wouldn't be shocked to see both of them showing speed Magical Soul is quick Linus of Brittany is also quick Towards the outside, Fosia Gonna show some speed Hara gonna show some speed I mean there could be a ton in here And I think Viva Lorena should be able to sit Just off cutting back from a mile To five furlongs there That is number five in race number six Or anything around four to one We'll make a win wager on that one Let's turn to a couple of the stakes races The ninth race I think this is gonna be a chalky race And I don't really like to give out chalk to you But it, just as far as like discussing the stakes race It does feel to me like Imprimis and Extravagant Kid are the classier turf sprinters in here and the ones that are going to get the trip because on paper it just feels like there is a ton of speed. Give me the horses who are going to be able to to come from off. Imprimis had a brutal trip in the Breeders' Cup and Extravagant Kid was not bad in the, in the Breeders' Cup and ran really, really well and has just been facing better consistently throughout. To me, Chalky in race number nine, not necessarily something I'm going to be uh, be wagering on. In the 10th race, I do like the 9 in here a, a little bit on Rafik. If we can get around 7 to 2, I might be worth uh, might be willing to play a few bucks on her. 
She has progressed every start so far, and now she's drawn to the outside. I think she's going to get a trip sort of like the one that she got last time out where she was just kept in the clear, kept wide, maybe a few lengths off the pace. She was a step slow. She recovered nicely. She sat three deep. She moved to the lead. She had a major challenge. She put that rival away, and she drew off. And I'm I'm like an honor of Feek. Another step forward with her pad. She doesn't even have to step that much forward to beat this group. But if she just continues to uh, to progress, not facing any monsters in here, like the nine, anything anything over three to one is uh, is fine on honor of Feek. Let's let's look for at least uh, like around seven to two would be great. In the eleventh and final at Gulfstream on Friday, I like the seven Dixie and Candyland a little bit at eight to one. So. Let's do a, a little digging through her past performances. Last time out, she was on the synthetic. I think an easy race that we can make an excuse for and just put a line right through. Two starts back. Uh, you know, she's a good second behind a bit of both, who is a next out allowance winner. Three starts back, she's on a soft turf course. I think you can excuse that. So now you're able to excuse. The December race and the September race, and the form looks a, a lot better recently. The September race, soft turf behind Got Stormy. That's a, just a tough, tough group. I'm looking at this race with Miss Amulet, Jakarta, Three Kingdom, Hear My Prayer, Lindsay's Lucky Lady. Uh, there's a, another race on paper that looks like there's a lot of speed. Dixie and Candyland can stalk nicely, can pass some horses. I think if she's around. Half of what her morning line is, that's a fair price to me. Anything around 7-1 to one or so will make a win wager on the number 7, Dixie and Candyland. She's a great horse to use in your stable duel lineups because I think she's going to get bet down. So you'll probably get more like a 5-6-1 to one shot than you will get a 15-1 to one shot. And you won't have to pay a whole lot for her to use in, in the lineup. So one more time, Gulfstream Friday, third race, number 2, Eagerly. If we can get around 5-2, to two, we'll make a win wager. Looks like an early exotic single to me. Sixth race, the number five, Viva Lorena. Uh, we want over four to one on her. In the ninth race, the number seven, Extravagant Kid, and the four, Impromis. There, the chalk. No real bets or wagers there. Maybe just horses to a to a race to watch. Or if you want to pick one of the two, single them in, in your late exotics. Honor Rafik in the tenth for me at around seven to two will be uh, one I'm I'm looking to bet. And in the eleventh, Dixie in Candyland, the number seven. There, that is Gulfstream Park for Friday. Let's move from Gulfstream Friday to Santa Anita for Friday. Get those Santa Anita past performances out. Let's go to race uh, one at Santa Anita on Friday. I'm looking at the uh, the eight in here. That is M Town Gem. Let's look at the uh, the last couple starts for this guy on November the seventh. Though two starts back. Slow start, was last, about eight lengths off. Started to move in between horses, but got shut off. Nowhere to go. Finally got some room and closed well. And this is a horse that just looks like he wants to run all day. Then last time out, just a tough trip. Uh, Jumped at the start, was last of nine, was three, four wide at the rear. And they decided to move early to the lead. It made a huge move. But it took a half of a mile for this horse to get up to the two path. The trip wasn't great. It was better than trying to sit back and be in a situation where you probably had no shot. But not a great trip. Now you get Valdivia Jr. jumping aboard, who's a very good and really, really always an underrated turf jockey. I like M Town Gem. If we can get four to one on the eight, I will make a win wager on this one in the opener at Santa Anita on Friday. Let's get to race number three here. Uh, I thought the number four, Sweet Devil was interesting. If you're trying to take a shot against Translate, who looks like the one to catch and beat, 
Sweet Devil should offer you better value. So if Sweet Devil is around seven to two, that's a fair price on a horse who's going to be cutting back after honestly just a little bit of a lackluster effort last time out. No real excuses, zero response when asked. That was going a mile and an eighth. Now you're cutting back to six furlongs on the turf. And so a a much different story than going long on the turf when you're sprinting on the turf here. But you got four months off, you cut back, you pick up Rispoli, and you will have a lot more late punch, sweet devil on the turn back, the four. A good alternate to the five translate if you get around seven to two and you're looking to beat the favorite there in race number three. Let's move on to the the sixth race is our next play. I'm looking at the seven here. This is Queen's Code. Everybody watching the Queen's Gambit lately. That was a damn fine show. So Carla Gaines trains the seven. And Carla Gaines, really good trainer, terrible with first-time starters. It's just not something that they they try to win with first-time starters. As a barn, they're much better with horses that take a couple starts. Just to give you the numbers, 3% with first-time starters recently, 10% with second-time starters, and 3 for the last 9 with second-time starters, winning at 5-1, to 9-2, to two, and even money. Queen's Code in her day, in his, I say keep wanting to say her, but it's him, Queen's Code. He was a step slow, but he recovered pretty well. He was sitting third or fourth in the two path. He was a couple lengths off. He looms up four wide at the top of the lane, but he just couldn't get to the two to five favorite that day. He ends up winning a battle for third. I thought it was a good effort from Queen's Code, and you know you're going to get a horse to improve from start one to start two for gains. I think it will be enough to get the job done in this race and to get the W. We'll make a win wager on Queen's Code if we can get anything around five to two. In the seventh race, I thought the eight is just sort of the one of the better horses in here too. Almost like I feel about the turf sprint that we were talking about at Gulfstream Park. Chaos Theory is just sharp. Look at who he's coming out the race he's coming out. He was right there with Extravagant Kid with Leinster. Um, he is going to be coming from off the pace a, a bit in here, so I think the six furlongs should even benefit him a little bit more. Some of these who are maybe coming out of the five furlong races and and they they're more tactical and more speedy, whereas Chaos Theory wants to be launching and, and coming uh, from off of the pace here. He settled nicely, and he was able to sneak through on the inside against Texas Wedge, who he will face again in here today. And Texas Wedge, from the rail, it, it might be difficult again. He got a good trip last time out, but it's harder to work out that kind of a trip from the rail. So I would go to the 8 Chaos Theory. At, at anything around 5-2 to two would be worthy of a win wager there. So a couple to look at at Santa Anita for Friday. First race, the number 8 M-Town, Motown Gem. Uh, in the third race, the number 4 Sweet Devil. In the 6th, the number 7 Queen's Code. And the 7th, the number 8 Chaos Theory. Before we get to Saturday... Let's take a listen and hear about some of the past performances at DRF. That is where I go to use all of my information, all the handicapping stuff that you hear from me when I talk about uh, charts, race replays, past performances, all that stuff. It's all at DRF.com. Let's hear about that, and then we'll hear about Saturday racing from Gulfstream and Santa Anita. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever 
to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com let's jump into Gulfstream park for saturday so get those past performances out saturday january the second remember a couple of big contests at Gulfstream park and at santa anita for you the big one at santa anita for stable duel so at Gulfstream, i'm gonna go to race number four for my first play we have a lot of stakes races with short fields where i think we might be able to beat a favorite or two uh let's start with the the downia beach in race number four i'm looking at the six it's a gamble. So it's a gamble's two worst races came going long. His two wins came going shorter. But I don't think that means he can't go longer. So let's look at the two bad races. He wins his career debut. Then he comes back in the now, now, now stakes at Monmouth on October the 4th. He was sixth, uh, about eight lengths off on the inside. He wanted to go, but he was buried. He was blocked. He got shuffled back. He tried to angle route. He couldn't get outside. He very easily could have been second that day. He finished fourth. It was not a bad effort. He had a ton of trouble. Comes back on October 31st, again in a stakes race over yielding turf at Belmont Park. Tough start, he bobbles, then he's, you know, backed up, he's taken up. He ends up getting hooked three or four wide all the way around on a yielding turf course going almost 52 to the half. No shot in that race. Totally legitimate excuses for both of his poor performances. Comes back and wins last time out. Going six furlongs and I don't have any issue with him going a mile in here with a lot of speed to chase you'd imagine Kentucky Pharaoh is going to be forwardly placed in here uh, like a, a salt shaker has shown some speed and comes out of a sprint Omaha City shouldn't be too far out of it loud of speed also has some speed I think there should be plenty for it's a gamble to chase if we can get a three to one or so on the number six it's a gamble I'm going to make a win wager there in race number four at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. 
In the fifth, let's go to the five. Hit the whoa! To me, six and a half furlongs the key for this gal in the glitter woman. So in her debut, she was a really nice second. Comes back on November the 13th. She's a step slow from the rail. She was asked to, to show a little speed, but she got stuck behind horses. She ends up running right up on the heels of a couple rivals. She gets shuffled back. She loses three lengths. She's trying to be right there. She she loses a ton of ground, a ton of momentum, but she's able to come through again. She moves back. She angles around, and then she goes back inside again. She has to stop her momentum. She has to wait. She angles around again. Visually, I was extremely impressed, and she beat two horses who came right out of that race to win maiden special weights. And again, you look at this race, it's six and a half. There's some speed with Gone to Cabo, there's some speed with Lucifer's Lair. Keep in mind now that Lucifer's Lair and Shop Girl are both cross centered in races on Friday. So, uh, you know, both of them being in here definitely makes the pace a little quicker, but one of the two of them coming out wouldn't hurt that much because Dancing Crane is also really, really quick. Dial the Win is really, really quick. I do like Shop Girl with the, the ability to stalk a little from the outside too, but I'd prefer the five. Hit the Woe as a horse to single. And if, if she's anything around five to two, I'm going to make a win wager on. This one. Let's move to race number seven, the Limehouse. I'm going to go to the six in here, Runaway Magic, uh, Runway Magic, whose maiden win last time out at Churchill was really good. He sat three deep mid pack. He was about six, seven, three, four lengths off the pace. He had some pace to run at. He swooped up four wide with a really nice sustained rally, and he opened up that day. And again, he looks like he's going to be the beneficiary of speed from Ocean Ride. Willie Boy, Blinkers on Tiger, who Tiger hooked Warrior's Pride, and Warrior's Pride cleared the field. So now Tiger puts the Blinkers on. I think Tiger won't let Warrior's Pride go get loose here. There could be four or five drain. The clock is also quick. Runway Magic. Going to be flying late in here. I would, I'd love it if this was six and a half too, but still it looks like there's enough pace to get Runway Magic up. And uh, five to two, we'll make a win wager on that one. Um, in the eighth race, I'm just looking at the the Mott horses as two to, to keep an eye on, and maybe to throw in if you're playing any kind of late exotics. The five Floriform, who has not tried the grass but does have two winning turf sibs, and the six Crew Dragon, who's looked better in both of his starts. And to me, he's really the one to to beat in here. So those are the two that I would look to to use and maybe just play individually whichever one's a better price or throw them in some of your exactas, tries, supers, and your your late uh, exotics, the five floor form and the six crew dragon, both of which I think are live there for Mott. Let's go to the ninth race, the the number one oyster box who beat two next out maiden special weight winners in her debut was very impressive. She had a, a slow start from the rail. And she just didn't seem to love it down on the inside. She moved into traffic. She was loaded, waiting, waiting. She was just behind at the top of the lane. She angled around. She took a few strides, and she really got going. And she beat a next out winner. I I think she's very, very talented. She is beautifully bred. She should get better and better as they go longer. The number one, Oyster Box in race number nine at Gulfstream Park, anything around seven to two will make a win wager there. In the tenth, the Mucho Macho Man. I do think the five Musta Beak is a, a single in here coming back to the dirt. I, I really liked him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, and he just he had a wide trip. He was three deep mid pack. Very easy to forgive the the poor performances in the Breeders' Cup, but he's been good before. This is not a horse who I'd want to bet to win. 
I just think he's classier than the rest of the field. Watch his bourbon victory. It was like one of those wow type performances. And we know he has a, a little more tactical speed than that. He's not a, a, a stone cold closer. So let's see if, if Saez can get him in like a mid pack spot here. I think he would, would be a type of horse who I would single in the late exotics. I wouldn't be playing him to win. He's probably going to be eight to five uh, so, or so. Mustabik, late exotic single for me at Gulfstream Park there. So in the fourth race, it's a gamble. Anything around three to one will play. In the fifth, uh, hit the woe, the number five. Anything around five to two will play. Probably an early exotic single. In the seventh, the number six, runway magic. Anything around five to two. In the eighth race, the five six. Keep a look to both the the Mott horses there. In the ninth, the one oyster box at around seven to two. And in the tenth, the uh, the five Mustabik, uh, you know, would be a single for me in some of the late exotics there. So that is Gulfstream Park for Saturday. Let's move to Santa Anita for Saturday. And to be honest, I didn't love the Santa Anita Saturday card nearly as much as I thought the Gulfstream Park card had better quality racing and maybe some opportunities for uh, just for a little more price uh, uh, prices. I guess I have a couple bigger prices, but I'm not quite as confident really in any uh, at Santa Anita on Saturday. Let's go to the third race. Throw this horse into your early pick five sequences and and maybe if we get around five to one, let's play a win wager on the number six American Heights for uh, a barn who we were talking a little bit about earlier. That's the Carla Gaines barn who just is not good with first time starters. So to see American Heights run okay in in her debut is something that I'm I took as a positive because I'm expecting improvement from her second time out. She was close up from the outside. She actually broke pretty well. She was third. She was only a couple lengths off and she was about three deep and she sort of tracked back a little bit like a widest trip on the grass doesn't always work out. And that's from a barn who does not really try to win first time out. She doesn't get as wide of a trip in here. You think the the two and the five will probably end up showing a little bit of speed. Any improvement from American Heights should make her a legitimate contender in this spot at a, at a pretty decent price. If she's 5-1 to one or so, let's make a win wager on her. I thought the 5 in race number 5 is just intriguing. Now, I'm not going to be betting a ton to win on a horse like this, but definitely throw him in, uh, throw her into your pick 5s because there's so little information about her. She's just sneaky. Her dam was unraced. There's, she's, this is the first foal from an unraced dam. We know that the, the sire is a really solid win early sire, and we have some sneaky works and a steady tab with Pratt jumping aboard for Mullins. I think the 5 KP can do has some ability and is going to show it first time out of the box in race number five at Santa Anita in the sixth race a couple horses that I'm looking at I like the nine as a horse uh, shooter shoot I think he has a ton of ability look at some of the races he came out of last year he was behind charlatan he was behind authentic I don't know this is probably a race that he's going to need but keep him uh, in your, uh, you know, in the back of your mind, as a horse to keep an eye on down the road, because I wouldn't be shocked if he showed up with a big effort here. I, I just think that much of him. I think he's really, really good. The horse who I feel like will get the best trip and could be just flying a little under the radar is the five Potonico, who is steady. He's like the measuring stick for this race at this type of level. And and how is this going to this race is going to unfold? Well, Tis a Magician is probably going to be showing some speed. Ecclesia is probably going to be showing some speed. Paladar probably going to be showing some speed. Shoot or shoot. That's why I'm a little worried about him is that he could get caught up with all of them. And King Abner's not exactly slow, but he, I don't think he's as quick as the other three that I mentioned. So that gives Potonico a chance to tuck in. 
Probably where he likes You know, third or fourth A couple lengths off the pace in here he, Potonico, I think at around You know, six to one Maybe make a win wager on him And throw the nine under in some of your exotics Or maybe throw him into one spot or two Because if he's around eight or ten to one I just I, that I, I wouldn't want to be sitting And have him beat me at a good price If he got bet down a little bit I'd, I'd want more than five on shooter shoot To be shooting In the seventh race Not a big field And not a field where I really love Any of the, the shorter priced horses I respect them all And anybody can win this race honestly But I think Multiplier Who has not been as consistent And doesn't win a whole ton But he he can jump up and win And beat this group with one of his better efforts We just don't get it from him all the time So he's hard to trust For me, horses like this are I like to play when they're 10 to 1 I don't want to play them when they're 5 to 2 Like he was 2 starts back I'll play him in a spot like this He's returning to the grass This is the turf course that he won over At Santa Anita So We've got a horse that's for the value. Does he have a 10 to 1-ish chance to win this race? I think absolutely. I'm going to throw in the four multiplier and probably play a few bucks on him. If you play any late exotics, include him. The eighth race, not really a whole lot to talk about. The monster is the five. Life is good, who is two to five on the morning line and has been incredible in the mornings. Super impressive in his debut And the horse he beat just came back To absolutely destroy a, a group So this could be the next Bob Baffert monster He had ju- is just turned three So right now Maybe uh, one of the leaders in the clubhouse For uh, the Baffert three-year-old That we're going to see running in some of the big races Because that's the sham And this one has looked as good as any That we've seen Life is good Life is really, really, really good that is going to do it for the the racing part of this episode of That's What G Said. We have one more segment left. We're going to recap Shameless. Shameless Season 11, Episode 3. We're going to talk about what happened as the new episode is coming up this week. So uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be back with some Shameless. Hey, big thank you for... All of the support from Cindy Carava, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. So, folks out there, if you ever need anything in the world of real estate, buying, selling, leasing, write down the name Cindy Carava and the website CindyCarava.com. C I N D Y C A R A V A. Full service realtor means she can help you out with anything Even if it's just connecting you with the type of people that you need For what you need in your home improvement Maybe you're just looking for a a free market analysis Yep, she can do that for you too Reviews out there about her She's all over social media And you're going to hear about Cindy Carava on That's What G Said podcast all the time Anything you need in the world of real estate CindyCarava.com Let's finish up with Shameless Episode 3 So what they did with Shameless, they had a couple weeks off for the holidays But they had an episode last week that was Actually would have been in the place of Episode 4 But it was called Hall of Shame They're going to do these these sort of like episodes that Last week's was Ian and Mickey And it goes, it's basically a full episode Recapping their entire time together uh, All the stuff that they've been through And it looks like that's going to be a series that is going to come out on Showtime as sort of a full recap of the show Shameless. So each episode will be, I think, a different character. Maybe we'll get Kevin V in one. We'll probably get Lip in one. We'll probably get, you know, Debbie and 
and Fiona, and we'll see uh, uh, about how that goes. But um, it wasn't necessarily like a new episode that we saw in episode four. Episode three is the one I'm going to talk about because that's what one where uh, where Franny and Frank got to be uh, buddies. Debbie's trying to figure uh, to to get Franny to be Little Miss Southside, and Franny is just not into it. Right? She she more of a tomboy. She just doesn't love the girly stuff in the dresses like Debbie wants her to. We check in with Lib, who's doing just a great job with the house, with Freddy's room. Everything is upgrading. It just looks really, really good, Mister Handyman. Ian and Mickey are uh, are mid coitus, and uh, they're uh, they're having some dirty talk. But Ian is just not into it. He's not happy with Mickey. He feels like he's pulling all the weight around the house. So the gang uh, has breakfast at the uh, the Gallagher household. Frank is is there. And Debbie's running late for work. Franny is not being helpful, and Debbie's stressed. So she leaves, and she asks, "Hey, you know somebody's going to take care of Franny, right?" But nobody really hears her, and Debbie just leaves, has to go, leaves Franny. Someone will figure out how to get her to school, right? So Liam agrees. Uh, he says he's going to take her, but Frank says, "What? Well, you don't know, trust her with me? I can take her." And Frank and Liam says, "Fine, take her, Frank." And then Frank gets stuck. Having to uh, to take Franny, but Frank loves it. They bond, and they uh, it, it is pretty cute. You sort of feel um, some positive stuff for Frank that you don't normally feel. Kevin V are trying to get the girls into Little Miss Southside. Also, they're taking pictures of them. He wants to bling them out new, uh, new big fur coats. Kev is tr- is loving the fact that he's making a little money right now, but it he's gabbing about it. He he's so used to not having money that he wants to show off and tell everyone that he's got money, new shoes, new car, new rims, new stereo, all this stuff. And V's not loving it. So we uh we see Debbie who's basically like a small celebrity with the uh, the um lesbian Instagram uh crew where she's the the handy woman. She's getting work. But as she's Ready to do some work for uh, one of her new, uh, one of the new jobs that she has. She realizes she was supposed to bring snacks to Franny's school today, and she doesn't have snacks, or she's got to figure out something to do so she doesn't get uh, in trouble at school with well, as being the parent who's supposed to bring stuff. So uh, Frank thinks he's taking Franny to school, but they realize that he's actually taking her to the wrong school. So. Franny is with Frank for the day. Nothing should be wrong with uh, with with that. Carl's old uh, old partner is on life support now, but his new partner is awesome. She's this really funny woman, and she seems great. She's she's fiery, and they seem to get along right off the bat. Kevin V are they actually mentioned that they love Gemma more? Come on here, uh, Mickey helps them out. He brings in some old brownie mix in exchange for workout sessions, and uh, so he wants to train because he and Ian have been joking about who's the man and who's the woman in their relationship, and so he wants to bulk up a little bit so he doesn't feel as uh, as uh, feminine. Ian is at work talking with his coworkers who are married, and uh, they basically help Ian realize that he is the woman. He he does more in the relationship, and he is realizing it, even though he that he does more work for less money, and uh, and he cares more about everything for the most part. So it's a a, a realization for uh, Ian after having make it, made fun of Mickey, finding out that no, he actually is a uh, is not the uh, the top of the relationship. 
Sad news with Tammy's sister. Uh, the baby has a heart condition. They need $65,000 to treat him now. So Tammy's like freaking out. It's only going to be a few days for their family. She's trying to get money. Ask Lip if the Gallagher's have any money, if anybody has any money. We keep checking in with Frank and Franny, and Frank's taking him taking her to different places, talking about negotiations. He's using her to trick people. He says she's a pot savant evaluator. He ends up uh, at one point she's demanding that they only pay $7 per gram. This is pretty funny stuff, but it's just you know, it's it's what you would expect from Frank. Carl really likes the new partner. She's uh, She's into everything. She loves the action. She's curious. She's the total opposite of his previous partner who didn't want to stick his nose in anything whatsoever. So now Debbie has no snacks for the class. She decides to steal some from the place that she's she's fixing up, and then she'll bring the 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 snacks and come back and finish the job. So, of course, nothing goes as as planned for uh, for these Gallagher's. So we'll get back to Debbie in a minute. Kev goes to the park to show off. He's talking all about his money, his bling. He's got a big car, big rims. He gets robbed. With a gun immediately by a female And he's in his yellow jumpsuit I mean he just looks ridiculous So obvious And Kev has lost it all uh, All of uh, their new found fortune So Carl's partner is like Really teaching him the ropes He's teaching him how to drive That uh, that cops don't have to pay for anything They can just take whatever they want From uh, food, liquor stores, places all over uh, We keep checking in with Lip and Tammy As they're trying to get money To help Brad's baby uh, Tammy wants Lip to sell the bike he's working on She asks if Debbie will sell her truck Asks what the Gallaghers can do Lip says we don't have, have anything to give we, we don't have anything Debbie can't sell a car it's, her, it's how she makes a living So Debbie Drops off the snacks at Franny's school And the teacher comes out and tells Debbie Oh thank you we appreciate you dropping off the snacks Even though Franny isn't here Debbie says like, where's Franny she didn't get to school. So now she starts texting everybody. She's like freaking out. Where's Franny? Why didn't she why isn't she at school? Oh shit, she's with Frank. Yeah, she's with Frank. So Carl, who's driving around like crazy with his partner, who she's great. Like she's her right? She doesn't tow the all of the she doesn't follow all the rules. The she she dances around uh a, a the line here and there But she's smart She seems to be a really good person And Carl has a lot to learn from her As he's able to get his first arrest He, she, They, they show up to a, a scene She figures immediately out what's going on And Carl has to chase someone down She ends up throwing this guy through a glass window Really funny Carl's proud He has uh, his first arrest So Ian's boss is trying to force Ian to work through lunch And Ian's all upset right now And he's been just told by his co-workers That he's you know, uh, he's the girl in their relationship And the boss tells Ian to hike up his skirt And calls Ian a little bitch And Ian snaps, goes hard on this fool Walks out, he quits Guy's all scared The employees all cheer for Ian And uh, as Ian comes to the alibi Mickey has just gotten a job from Kevin V Mickey volunteers his security So that way Kev won't get robbed anymore Doing his stupid stuff Mickey lets them know They need to start laying low And not acting like big ballers here Unless they want to get robbed Ian and Mickey Get into this nasty brawl They start brawling V has to break up the fight And give them a a, a little bit of advice And kind of gives them a little shit And uh, it seems like this this helps. Uh, she also gives them a pot brownie, so that 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 always helps. Uh, 
Poor Tammy's super worried, trying to figure out ways to help her family. She keeps thinking that, you know, what if this was Fred? So Frank is continuing to teach Franny about millennials, how what they want, how to roll joints. Um, he's absolutely loving the time being spent with her because he doesn't have to be a, a parent. He gets to be a grandparent. Debbie's on the rampage. She's looking all over for Frank and for Franny. And Lip actually offers to help Brad's family and uh, and Tammy's brother. But uh, Brad's going to sign up for a payment plan. And he's going to sell his business. He said, you know, my family is most important here. And so Lip is so sort of seeing that, you know, priorities change and, and sort of feeling, really feeling for Brad here. Frank is... Getting a tattoo and and with Franny and Franny tells him she's a boy, so. Uh, but Frank at this moment tells her, you know, sh- you should play along sometimes to keep Deb- your mom happy. Frank even mentions that he wore a dress to make his dad happy when he was young. Um, Mandy sort of makes Debbie realize that you know what it was her fault that that they can't find Franny. She never really talked to anyone, and she sort of just left her there, and now she's pissed off, yelling all over the place. So as Debbie's looking for Franny, she gets a call from the cops. The place she was working saw the neighbors saw her sneaking out the window with a bunch of bags and they called the cops. So Debbie now uh, got called white trash for stealing a bunch of snacks from this place and is going to get a really bad Yelp review and probably a lot of uh, shit talked about her on Instagram with the, the lesbian group. So Debbie finds Frank and Franny walking down the street. They got their tattoos, just a fake one for Franny. She smacks Frank. She's pissed off. But it's her own fault. They they go back to the Gallagher's house, and she's mad at everyone. But nobody heard her ask for help. Nobody agreed to help her, and she sort of just stuck Franny with Liam, which isn't fair. Lip actually calls her a shitty mom, which kind of quiets everyone down, and that's like the whoa moment as Debbie, I think, is realizing that, you know what, that was a sort of a, a shitty mom thing to do. Back at the alibi, Frank is with Kevin V. He's smoking, showing them some of the joints uh, they he rolled up and uh, how the day talking about the day and how much he loves Franny. He keeps talking about her. He likes it better as a granddad because he doesn't have to worry about the responsibility every day. He just gets to have a, a little more fun. Uh, we check back in with Lip, his landlord. Uh, his buddy comes by and sees all the work that Lip's been doing on the house and tells him, hey, man, like, I'll give you money for this. This is our place. He's really impressed with Lip's work. This looks like it could lead to something even more for Lip. And uh, a couple of the final scenes we see, it's Franny. She comes nicely in the dress that Debbie's been wanting to get her in to take the picture for Little Miss Southside. Frank was able to convince Franny. She walks up and says, I'm ready, Mom, for you to take the picture. Very cute. So Frank, as much as we hate him, he uh, he does have some good there in the heart. And uh, Ian and Mickey seem to be getting a lot better, uh, along a lot better as we close out this episode of Shameless. We're also going to close out this episode of That's What G Said. We're going to close out 2020. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to That's What G Said again. Big thank you to Eric for joining us today. And uh, next week kicks off the, the new year on That's What G Said, and we will have tons of stuff. Sam Houston, uh, Cobra Kai, NFL playoffs, you name it. We're going to have it here on That's What G Said podcast. Have a great, great Early start to 2021, folks.